Hi, Lauren. Hi, Sam. Are you ready to talk about Deja Vu? I am, because after all, we are the watchers of movies. It's snowing. It's snowing. Not yeah. like a lot, but it's pretty. I had to clean like probably a hundred pounds worth of snow off my car because I had not left my apartment in like six days. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, you were holding up. <laughs> yeah, I was. But you know, I did it. And I was like doing the thing where like you know when like a dog like digs and like the dirt yeah. I was doing that but like, <laughs> like with like the um snow scraper and like my other hand and I'm like, <laughs> like just... <laughs> yeah no I um I've covered parking but it's just a carport so I even get like a dusting of snow that I usually have to brush off really quick um thankfully it wasn't that much snow and there wasn't yeah, any ice I don't like having to scrape Oh, no, it's the worst. I actually bought a different scraper like last year. And then there was like no ice for the longest time. And I was disappointed because I wanted to use my, oh my new gosh. scraper so bad. <laughs> oh, that's a real disappointment. I, know. I have this very vivid memory when I was working at the movie theater. We were leaving work one night, me and a couple other girls. And it was late. And there had been an ice storm and our cars were coated with ice. Oh. And, and one of the, one of the girls that worked with me came over to my car and she's like, I have this spray that I'll spray on your windows and it's de-icer. And I was like, oh, and I was like in the middle of like scraping and she just like sprayed it and it like blasted into my face. She didn't spray my face on purpose. It just like, that's what happened. Right. And for like the next 16 hours, I was like, oh, am I going to go blind? What's going to happen to me? <laughs> but it helped. It did like help my help me scrape easier but the huh. memory is tainted because I was so nervous because it like I got so much of it in my face <laughs> oh well I'm glad that you were fine yeah everything <laughs> yeah. worked out everything Could worked out Could yeah. real bad <laughs> yeah <clears throat> so tell me about your adventures last night what happened oh my gosh well to tell you the full story I'm gonna have to start back last Sunday okay so last Sunday was like the coldest, like we had like a crazy cold front come through, not even like a cold front. I don't know. It's like staying like yeah. a polar vortex maybe. And it was very cold, very, very cold, like almost zero, maybe below zero. I'm not sure. It was definitely I, below I freezing in way. So I came home on Sunday. I went to my parents' house on Sunday afternoon and I came home and it was 66 degrees in my apartment but I keep my heat set at like 69 or 70. So I was like, uh-oh, my heat isn't working. And I was kind of like on the fence, like, eh, is it not working or can it just not keep up? And because sometimes when it's super windy outside, if the wind is blowing, because um, my apartment faces east. So mm -hmm. if the wind is blowing to the west, sometimes the heat has trouble keeping up. But it was right. very still that day. Like it had been windy like Friday and Saturday, but by Sunday the wind had subsided. So I was like, it's not the wind. It's something is wrong with my heat. And I didn't hear my heat running. And I was really annoyed because I had just come home from my parents' house. And it was 
like there were some factors where it was icier on their end of town than it was on our end of town. So I, for number one, just didn't want to drive back over there because the roads were like surprisingly slick by their home. Right. And I just didn't want to deal with that. And number two, I just like to sleep at home. And my parents have like guest bedrooms, but the beds are really uncomfortable. So it's just like, I'm going to tough it out. I'm going to sleep at home. And it was the most miserable night because the heat just kept dropping. No. And I barely slept because I just kept waking up because I was freezing and I'd put like extra blankets on, but then I'd get like cold sweaty. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where you're like cold, but you're also sweating and that's really uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 I get it. (laughs) So on Monday I was, I called, Oh, also I should clarify that like a year ago my heat went out and I called on a weekend and they, the emergency maintenance guy was like, well, I can't come out until Monday anyway. So I was like, well, what's the emergency maintenance number four if you're not coming out? So I didn't even bother calling on Sunday this past weekend because I'm like, they're not going to come anyway. What's and the point of having an emergency? It, oh, we'll just wait. It gets even better. So, oh, so I called God. on Monday morning and they came and they fixed the heat. But then it, like, took forever to catch up. Like, it would get close to, like, 70, and then it would drop again. So I ended up sleeping at my parents' house Monday night because I was like, I'm not sleeping in my freezing apartment again. I'm just going to go to my parents' house and endure the, like, rock-solid beds that they have there. <laughs> Which I always complain to them about because whenever they go on vacation, when my dog Stella was alive, I'd have to go there. And I'd be like, how do you guys sleep and anywhere in this house? Because the beds are like stones. Like, it's just like a slab of rock that they would put you, sheets on. Would you ever sleep in your parents' bed? That's what I, yeah. No, I mean, their, their bed and the bed that I slept oh, okay, in. okay, okay. Yeah, because like, if I would, like, if I would sleep in my parents' bed if I had to stay, you know. Well, that's what I would do because, like, Stella was a very small dog, and the rule of dogs is the smaller the dog, the more room they take up on the bed. So I would sleep <laughs> in their bed. So then Stella would have enough room. So then when she crowded me, I'd have room to go. But anyway, they're just, they just have very firm mattresses, and it's, and right. it's very uncomfortable. Anyway, so... So then I came back home Tuesday and obviously I had to work here and it like slowly got warmer and slowly got warmer. And then it didn't seem like it was catching up. So I called maintenance again and then they finally came yesterday afternoon, but things seemed to be okay yesterday afternoon and everything was normal. I was like, oh, and I told him, I said, it seemed like it took a long time, but he said, well, it's been very cold. And he explained the other units were having problems and he was very helpful. He was so nice and he was so helpful And then he left and then it was almost as if like the boiler knew when he was leaving because as soon as the maintenance guy left and he's really nice and really helpful and I think he's he only works like nine to five or something. He's like the nine to five maintenance guy. He's not the emergency maintenance guy. Right. And as soon as the building knew that he had left for the day, the building was like, guess what? we're going to the tropics and then it just kept heating like the heat just kept going up and up and up and and I could hear the heat running I could hear it running and I could I watched the temperature of my thermostat and I was texting Mike and I was explaining it to him and he was he was being really helpful because he was like he I sent him a picture of my thermostat and so he found some info online and I was trying to like reset the thermostat because it didn't seem like the thermostat was doing anything right. and it was just running. And, and so 
I called the emergency maintenance line because I was like, I'm paying for this. Like, this is not like I'm whatever heat is coming into my apartment is costing me money and I'm not going to pay like $300 because it's, you know, for tropical heat levels. And I called the maintenance guy and he was like, well, it's normal. Just close the vents on your, on your registers and that will stop the heat from coming in. But the vents aren't airtight. They just direct the heat. Right. And so I was texting Mike and I was like, he just told me to close the vents on the register. And Mike was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that doesn't. He said, you should call them back and ask them what the thermostat is for. If the thermostat isn't regulating heat. And I don't know if you know this about me, but 5% of my personality is reserved for confrontations and that gets depleted very quickly. So the idea (laughs) of calling a second time was like sending me into a tailspin, but I was like, no, it's time to just put my big girl pants on and call again. So I called again and the emergency maintenance man said to me, heat rises (laughs) because I'm on the top floor, heat's rising. And I said, but in my thermostat isn't even working and the heat's just like continually running. That doesn't seem like heat rising. And he's like, oh, heat rises. Oh my God. And I thought to myself. So he's mansplaining heat rise, heat to you? I don't know if that's what he was doing or what if what he was probably doing was that he was like, I'm comfortable. Everything's fine. I'm not coming over there, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I I doubled down, which I'm proud of myself, because like I said, 3% of that 5% was depleted on the first call. So I only had 2% confrontation left in me, but I doubled down and I said, but is my thermostat broken? Because something's wrong. And I've lived in this apartment for, I didn't say this to him, but I've lived in this apartment for nine years and this has never happened. Right. And he was just like, well, heat rises. (laughs) So then I was just like praying so hard for a miracle. So I just thought, well, I'll just try to cool it down in here because maybe if I cool it down, the the thermostat will like recognize the heat shift and like start working again. And, and then, so I opened my windows and I was laying in bed and it was really late. It was like, 2 a.m. or after and I was laying in bed and I was very nervous because I knew that this morning if things didn't straighten out I was gonna have to go to the office and talk to someone and I I have no percentage of confrontation left (laughs) to get me in there and I was just dreading it and I was also like sweating it was so hot and I could just hear the heat running and I don't like white noise and like normally I can endure white noise but I was like enraged and stressed out and sweating so the white noise was just like one extra thing that was driving me up the wall because I could I just kept hearing the heat running and it's like it's like water heat it's boiler heat so you can hear water going through the pipes when it's running and I could Mm -hmm. hear the water swishing and I was at the end of my rope and I was and I so I got up and I opened my windows even further so that more cold air came in and then I finally went to sleep like my rage lulled me to sleep. <laughs> and when I woke up this morning, it was chilly in my apartment, but not unbearable. It felt pretty good. It felt normal, like what it's supposed to. And then right. I heard and then I heard my thermostat kick on. And then I heard and then it now it's heating normally. 
And so I, I don't know. It, it was a saga. And I, anyway, now it seems to be heating normally because it was 67 when I woke up. So me opening the windows got it cool enough to get below the 69 that I have it set at. And then it kicked on and now it's been maintaining 69 for the last couple hours. That's good. It's good. So anyway, that's it's so my funny. story. It's so funny because you and I are so different because I love white noise and I have <laughs> no problem confronting. Like I'm like, like I would be on the phone being like, I like you're the emergency person. You need to get over here and you need to fix this because this is bad. Like I would be, I would be like up their ass until they did it. <laughs> I wish I could do that, but I'm like, I don't know. I, it just like calling him twice was like a personal victory demanding he come fix it. I don't know if I had it in me. And last night I just wanted to relax and watch SmackDown and I'm making a little flip book for Mike for Valentine's day. And I just wanted to color the flip book and watch SmackDown and then watch the movie. And I, and anyway, <laughs> my whole evening, <laughs> Ruined. Ruined. <laughs> but living in an apartment, man, any of our listeners who live in an apartment would know, like, for all the, like, convenient things, there's an equal amount of, because, and then this week, earlier this week, I was driving to my, when I was driving to my parents' house, I was sort of, like, anger, angry driving, because I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I can't even sleep in my apartment, I'm so mad, and then I started thinking, like, I started talking myself down and being like, you know, even if I owned a house and my heat went out at, like, 10 p.m., I still probably wouldn't be able to call somebody until the next day, so this problem that I'm having right now is, you know, normal, Right. I think the stress is that it's not, like, my timetable, I have to rely on somebody else's timetable and that's really hard yeah I get it yeah it's like when my internet goes out I'm like what am I supposed to do with my life now no internet <laughs> what am I supposed to do R read sit here and just yeah. read what like some plebeian like <laughs> I'm like offended like yeah and then you and then like you uh, say like like you see a message that was like, crews are working right now to restore your internet. And you're like, well, I bet they're working. Maybe they're having a lunch break. They shouldn't get a lunch break until my internet is back up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> or you're like, working? Not fast enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> working hard or hardly working. I know the answer. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. that's why I pushed, I asked to push back the recording because I needed some extra time because I had to finish the movie this morning. And I also just was like... I was in like a fog because I, I didn't sleep well and then I had to take a shower, but I feel so much better after taking a shower and, Good. you know. Yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, I mean, <laughs> it happens. <clears throat> it happens. I get it. Yeah. Um, so I have a, actually, I have a correction from last week. Oh. I was, I was talking about the the sequel to snow white and the huntsman and i said i called it winter's tale it's called huntsman winter's war oh I, like, yeah. as i was listening to the episode i was like i was like lauren this is not right <laughs> it was really <laughs> annoying me that i had said it wrong so i wanted to <laughs> do a correction 
And I also have a recommendation before I do my mini topic. Ooh. So I don't know if you've ever seen this show, but I started watching Dr. Foster. Yeah, you texted um, it to me, but I'd, I'd never heard of it. I was, so I've only seen two episodes, but I was like immediately into it. Like it pulled me in and like, you know how I have like a hard time paying attention to something like I usually am doing other things you know mm-hmm. with this I was like enraptured like I could not pull away it was like very intense and it's about this woman who um finds out that her husband is cheating on her so she's like trying to figure out like what's going on and it's these situations that I wouldn't consider to usually be intense but because of the music and how it's done it was like super intense and the woman I've never seen this actress in anything. I don't even know her name, but she's fantastic at like doing like little subtle, like, like uh, emotional changes in her face. And oh. it was, it was good. It was really good. I would totally recommend that. Dr. Foster, you say? Dr. Foster. Yeah. I got to look up this actress. Saran Jones. Interesting. Yes. I've never seen her in anything. Oh, Jodie Comer is in it. She's yeah. in Killing She's my very favorite, favorite part of Killing Eve. Like, I started watching that one. I, I want to get back into that, but I, like, I liked it, but I wasn't like, it didn't super pull me in, you know? Season one, I really liked. I thought it was, it was really interesting. And um, season two is okay. It's not as good. And I've heard that season three is even worse, but I haven't seen it yet. But Jodie Comer is, I don't know. She's really good. She's, she's the best part of the show for me if she, if a different actress played that role i i don't know if it would be as good I, yeah i totally yeah. get it i totally get it anyway cool yeah good suggestion yeah. sounds interesting yeah so um you want me to do my mini topic let's do it i'm excited um, so i have a story um behind it so i for my birthday, you know, I got some money from my parents. I've been, um, I like to, <laughs> I, anyone who knows me knows that I, I love redecorating. <laughs> I love changing shit up constantly. I can't, like, I can't, you know, I mean, I'll leave it for like a year and then I'm like, okay, this needs to change. So I've been moving stuff around and I made like a bunch of paintings, but I got a print of a, I'm going to send you the photo. Fo- I'm going to send you the print. I got a print of a painting, and it's called Judith Slaying Holor... Okay, I'm just going to start over again. I totally fucked that up. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So I got a print. I love when you take a deep breath. You took a deep breath to calm yourself down and then immediately laughed. (laughs) Okay. 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 All right. So I, I, I bought a print of uh, a very famous painting called Judith slaying Holofernes. Holofernes. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Anyway. I don't know. I've um, never heard that word before. It's a, I think it's a biblical story. So that's what I think. Anyway, I'm sending you the picture right now so you can look at it because this is important and vital to the story. So as soon as it sends, my phone likes to take its sweet time. Still, sending. I haven't gotten anything yet. 
It's still, it hasn't sent yet. Folks listening, this is real time. It's this like the show 24. <laughs> like you're, you're seeing how slow my phone works. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's like a brand new phone. So, you know, um, it's still, it's still sending. I don't know why it's taking. Okay. It's just sent. <laughs> the saga of Judith killing hip, hippopotamus. <laughs> oh, I got it. I received it. Hello, fair news. Oh my God, Lauren, <laughs> where are you going to put this? I hope you're going to put it in like a baby's nursery or something. <laughs> I'm going to put it next. So I have a, a poster of Batman Begins because that's my favorite. Um, this is like, horrifying. I know. I love it. Um, superhero origin story or origin movie, uh, Batman Begins is. <clears throat> so I'm going to put it next to that. But the artist who, who painted that is named Artemisia Gentileschi and she made a pretty huge impact during like the renaissance but kind of like was forgotten about a little bit in modern day so that's what I decided to do my story on so I read a book about her called The Passion of Artemisia when I was probably like 16 or something and I loved it I've only read it once, but like it was enough where it really like affected me, you know, that was a great story. So she was born in the 1590s. She was raised in Rome and her father, Orazio Gentileschi, was a famous painter from Pisa. And um, she, her mother had passed away in her early teens. And so Artemisia became like interested in painting as well, like inspired by her father and everything. And she's also really inspired by the artist Car Caravaggio. Uh, and there was this guy. So in 1611, um, she was, there was a guy that started working with her dad named Augustino Tassi. And he ends up sexually assaulting Artemisia. Yeah. Yikes. And he like, yeah. So he promises to marry her to restore her dignity, which is disgusting. And like, what the fuck? It's just because what every woman wants is to be forced to marry their, <laughs> their rapist. I know. Like, well, and also like, why is it her dignity? She like, this is not. Whatever. Oh, well, you're, I mean, that's like, that's a archaic ancient. Oh yeah. Big time. Big time. Weird so, belief set that just like. It still hasn't gone away. <laughs> really fucked up. Yeah. yeah. So um, she, I'm assuming reluctantly, started having a sexual relationship with him. And he decided that he didn't want to marry her. And so her... Oh, my uh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I know. So her her dad pressed charges against him. Wait, just one second. The, the, you're, this is a true story, right? Or is it a fiction? This is a totally book? true story. Okay. Yeah, that's a totally okay. true story. Sorry, keep going. Okay, so... Uh, her father pressed charges against him and the trial lasted for seven months. And so like the really fucked up thing is not even just what happened. The really fucked up thing is, is that if she hadn't been a virgin, the laws of the time would have not allowed them to press charges against him. So. Oh, so if she had, so the fact that she was a virgin was the only way that he could like justice could be served in yeah. some case. Yeah, she's yeah, so and weird. she was like being tortured with like thumb screws and everything. In the book, they like had by him, no, in like in court, like to oh. tell the truth, they thought she was like lying. 
Um, oh my yeah. Gosh. And like <clears throat> in the book, they had this like really creepy scene where um, they like test her virginity. She's like in the courtroom, but like hidden behind like a curtain. Yeah, it's really messed up. Anyway, so Tassi ends up getting exiled from Rome and he's like not, he's not in the rest of her life. So, which is good. Um, she ends up getting married to a man named Pier Antonio Sciatesi. Okay, <laughs> let's just call him Pier Antonio. And she started to become a really successful court painter, and they moved to Florence. And she was um, the house of uh, Medi Medici or Midi Medici. I, I can never remember how to pronounce that word. Became her patron, and she like. I mean, ends up becoming a very, very successful artist within the Renaissance. And she was the first woman who was accepted into the Academia della Arte del Disegno, which is the Academy of Arts of Drawing. Um, and I didn't, there was like a lot more to her story, but I wrote down a couple of things that I really liked that was the, um, there's a research paper in 1916 written by Roberto Longhi, and he described her as, quote, the only woman in Italy who ever knew about painting, coloring, drawing, and other fundamentals. There are about 57 works of Artemisia Gentilici, and 94% of them feature women as protagonists or equal to men. These include her works of Jael, Jael and Cecira, Judith and her maidservant, and Esther. These characters intentionally lack the stereotypical feminine traits, sensitivity, timidness, and weakness, and were courageous, rebellious, and powerful personalities, end quote. Cool. So um, feminist studies had, have increased their interest in her, and they underline her, her rape and her mistreatment and the expressive strength of her paintings of biblical heroines as women, like... Um, manifesting their rebellion against their condition. So she's like a very, um, I think, such an impactful person as far as an artist goes. And I think she's really interesting. And I think that there could be a very fascinating movie made about her or even like a miniseries. Yeah, I can't believe I've never heard right of her or of that story i think you're right i think that would be a really cool movie right right so especially just like can you imagine i mean even in modern times but can you imagine throughout the centuries of like human existence how many women have been assaulted and not taken seriously oh, and yeah. not like given the chance to heal or find justice like that's really sad and the fact that it's like her fault. Even today, I've heard famous people like, I, I heard a quote from Lady Gaga that really stuck with me. And she was saying like, if you hear about a woman, I'm paraphrasing, so it's not totally accurate, but the gist will be the same where she's like, if you hear about a woman being raped, your first question should never be, well, what was she wearing? You know? Yeah. 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 So yeah, that's exactly, you know, and it's, it's, I think it's a very powerful story and it's especially fantastic because she's, she made great strides as a woman during that time. I mean, the first person accepted into the Academy is a huge deal and she had all these like very rich patrons and everything. And she was a very talented artist. And I would honestly recommend looking up her stuff because she's awesome. So I can't, yeah, even though it. this painting is very 
graphic it's it's still really like really well done yeah and it, yeah. i mean you can see like if you because caravaggio made one that's very similar and if you look up the difference between them caravaggio like judith is very like hesitant about cutting off his head you know but judith in um and Artemisia, bless you. Thank you. <laughs> she sneezed. Uh, in Artemisia's one, you can see like the strength and the determination that Judith has behind cutting off this guy's head because the story is that she's saving her people from this brood, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's it's just like again it's yeah she not looks the, like she's like down to business right exactly like <laughs> yeah. it's not the traditional like feminine or like you know quote weak woman you know and I, I think that I just it makes me sad how she's just kind of been forgotten to the times because I think she's an extraordinary artist you know yeah yeah I think this is a really cool idea I, I'm looking at the Caravaggio painting right now just to see the difference okay Oh yeah, you're right. right? She's like right? holding herself away from the like. Yeah, the she looks like head. she's scared. Yeah, interesting. That's really interesting. The difference between the two of them, the like the determination on her face and the the what's her name, Artemisia. Artemisia, yeah, gently she. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, that's cool. So the name of the movie would be called the Allegory of Painting. Because that's one of the names of her paintings. So I figure that's kind of like it kind of works, you know. Um, if they decided not to go with that, I think just Artemisia would be perfect. Um, yeah. I yeah. Can, yeah, both are good titles. Right. I so I did the casting and I'm Italian, but forgive me any Italians out there because I don't know a lot of Italian actors. So I didn't really cast any. <laughs> I just casted who I was more familiar with. As long as they don't have like British accents signifying that they're foreign. Well, I think I chose almost all British people. No, I mean like they could at least like maybe have a dialect coach to like right. speak with an Italian. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So the young Artemisia, so she'd be like probably like 19 to like 24, would be Jessica Brown Finley. Oh, yes. Yes. Yep. Lady Sybil be- from... Yeah, yeah, Downtown. I like her a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, the older version would be Rachel Weiss. Ooh, nice. Oh, yeah, she's really good. Yeah, really good. I think she'd be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, Augustino Tassi would be Vincent Cassell. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He'd I be like perfect, that. right? Yeah. He plays a lot of really creepy, yes. like creepy characters. Yeah, so that's a that's really good. That. I I can right? totally see it. I can totally <laughs> see it. Yeah. Right. Um, Orezia would be Jeremy Irons. Oh, I love him. He's awesome. Like, did you ever see, there's an interview with Jeremy Irons on like the Tonight Show years and years and years ago where he's like talking about what he says when his kid gets out of bed at night and comes into the living room or whatever. And he like, the way he tells him to get back in bed, he's like, get back in there. It's really (laughs) funny. I recommend looking it up because he's very, he's a very very serious actor (laughs) yeah yeah well his son is an actor too now max irons so oh yeah 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 no that's good good casting and uh pierre antonio would be matthew mcfadden oh nice yeah like well when i read the book he was they didn't really have like a lot of chemistry it seemed like it was a relationship built out of 
um, convenience rather than love, you know? Oh, that makes me sad. He was, well, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, it's better than marrying your rapist, you know? No, I just, like, like in my head, I had a more romantic (laughs) view. I, like, I thought maybe she got married with somebody who was, like, treated her like a human being and didn't think that her virtue was ruined because she was attacked, you know? I mean, I think that they had a respectful relationship. I just don't think it was a particularly loving one. But it, oh. he, like, in when I read the book, he seemed like he was kind of dull and boring. Oh, and I thought okay. Matthew McFadden would play, like, that's a good a, character like yeah, that. Yeah, no, yeah. That's, that's really yeah. good, yeah. He does, she does end up having an affair with a guy named, like, Francesco uh, Marenghi, a nobleman. Uh, but I didn't end up casting him, so... Cause I don't know. I, I didn't even end up mentioning it, but anyway, so I, I, so I want the vibe of it to be like the first part to be like heavy and serious, but by the end I want it to be like light and whimsical because I want it to like, like, I don't want to show her like entire life. I want her to show like at her, like the height of her success, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, the director, so I was going to tell you this. This is the thing I was going to text you about, but then I decided not to tell you because I thought that the perfect director would be the, the person who directed Belle. Okay. Oh, yes. Right. So yes. I, looked, I looked them up because I wasn't, and I was like praying. I was like, please, God, let this be a woman. <laughs> I looked it up. I looked up who it was and I literally cried tears of happiness when I found out that a woman directed Belle because I was so fucking happy. I was like, I was like, only a woman I think can really accurately, like, this is just, it's such a a heavily, like, you know, feminine and feminist based story that you can't have a man directing this. This needs to have a woman's touch. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so when I I found out that it was a woman, I was like, oh my God. Just like, so that was what I was gonna tell you is that I literally started crying because I was so I was like started crying tears of happiness. I was like, it's perfect. It's perfect. Pieces are falling into place. Yeah, that yeah. is that is perfect. What's her name? Uh, Ama Asante. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's it. That's my mini topic. I like it. Really you good. Like it. That should be made into a movie. I want it right? to be made into a movie right now. Yeah. <laughs> right? I know. I know. It's awesome. Yeah. I love yeah. your casting. Thank you. Yeah. No, that's a really cool story. It's really like sad, but I also like the idea of it becoming triumphant. You yeah. Know? And yeah. she does. I mean, she triumphs over critics, over... I mean, she ends up being an incredibly successful artist and that's what makes me so sad is that no one really knows who she is if you ask some random person on the street they're probably not gonna know you know yeah so yeah, yeah. and i do so, ask random people on the street yeah me too yeah. no no i would have had no idea who she was as well so. yeah yeah i mean this book really made a i think you could say probably made a big impact on me as you know a kid and as an adult and something that and you know and then I bought that poster and I was like this is perfect I know that it's violent but I love it her story would seems like it'd be incredible I think I thought that you would like it I was like as I was doing it I was like she's gonna really like this one anyway so are we ready to talk about the movie I think we are 
Okay. I feel like we've done this before. (laughs) So (laughs) I, like before I gave you the DVD and, and during, I'm assuming while you were watching it, I could not stop. And while I was watching this movie, I was like, I can literally not tell if Sam is going to like this movie or not. And so I'm dying of curiosity. What did you think? I can't tell if I liked it or not. (laughs) I, it immediately pulled me in because Denzel is just so charismatic. Right. And it's interesting because it's like um, a crime solving movie, which is fun. Um, But there's uh, some like bonkers stuff that goes on and there's some ridiculousness that I can't, quite reconcile and I just I don't I don't honestly know how I feel about it I don't hate it like I don't think it's trash right but I I just I'm excited to talk about it because I I don't honestly know what I think because as I was watching it I was like what is happening yeah and no there's yeah there's some parts too where I was re-watching it and I like hadn't seen it in a long time and I was like oh yeah I forgot about this and I was like that is bizarre (laughs) yeah like did you ever see the movie The Bone Collector um is that with uh, I don't think so is that with um, Morgan Freeman no it's Denzel and Angelina Jolie I actually I don't remember Morgan Freeman might be it and I don't remember I'm just it's Denzel and, and Angelina Jolie and that's a really good like crime solving movie where like it's pretty straightforward and that's kind of what I thought this movie was going to be after it started. I thought it was going to be like Denzel solves more crimes and I was like kind of excited after it started. So like the movie opens up and this, this bomb on a car blows up a car, car ferry full of sailors, full of Navy people. And then Paula Patton, her body washes up on shore, but it was a murder that was made to look like she was on the ferry, but Denzel is too smart and he can see the signs that she wasn't actually on the ferry. So her murder happened apart from the, like the terrorist attack. And I thought like, I was like rubbing my palms together. I was like, this movie is, I like this. I'm a, I'm in it. I like it. And then all of a sudden I was like, do wait, do I like this movie? <laughs> I'm, I got too excited too fast. That's on me. <laughs> so I was kind of right then. I was yeah. right. I had no idea if you were going to like it or dislike it and you feel the same way. Yeah. I, I don't I assume you still like it a lot after watching it this time around. I, I do. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's, um, I think it's an enjoyable movie. I think it's, it, you're right. It is a little, it is a little bonkers, but, um, I mean, I own it, so obviously I enjoy it somewhat. And, yeah, and yeah. it's a it's a time travel movie where they explain the science enough where I'm not questioning it. Like, that's mm-hmm. not what I don't like about it. I guess the concept of having time travel in the movie is part of the ridiculousness, but all the science and, like, the uh, all that stuff didn't really bother me. I was like, okay, I accept it. What they're telling me doesn't – that's not the part – it's like the machinery and the mechanics and the plot line that really like got me. <laughs> so, okay. I wrote down a note and I wanted to talk about it right now because it was driving me nuts when I was watching the scene. So okay. when they find um, Claire, who's Paula Patton, 
And Denzel, who's Doug, Doug goes to uh, Claire's dad and he he tells her that, or he tells him that his daughter passed away. And I wrote down, the guy who plays Claire's dad never changed emotion once, even when seeing a picture of his dead daughter. <laughs> and I well, was like, that scene blew my mind. <laughs> that, because that scene, right. I totally agree with you. You're 100% correct. And the thing yeah. is, Denzel never prepared him for it either. He just said, he just held the picture out. Like if if somebody yeah. is holding a picture out of your dead relative, they should at least like say, "I have a photo here. It's gonna be hard to see." But he just like tossed it in front of him, and you're right. The dad was just like, "Same." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, that's her. And I was like, like it was, like I was as a viewer having more emotion than the dad was like and I totally agree with you like he he was just like oh yeah by the way I need you to identify her body and he showed her like like he showed the guy a picture and it was no like I want you to know that this is gonna be disturbing so like please prepare yourself I understand this is really hard just take your time whatever but instead he's just like oh yeah here's a picture of your dead kid by the way so enjoy that and like (laughs) what it was really weird it didn't make sense at all and I even I didn't say it out loud but I thought in my head what (laughs) it was yes like and even even like like there's all the stuff that he's talking about like I could understand if it was if it was shock but it wasn't even done in like a shock way it was like his kid had been dead for 20 years and he was just used to talking about her passing away. But it was like, I'm like, like Claire just died like within a day or or I guess it was four or five days ago. She went missing and your first instinct is correct. She was something horrible did happen. And and he just acted like, like, "Eh." you know, like, like, oh yeah. Um, And he was so, he just never made any, I mean, any sort of expression change in his face. And even at the funeral, he's like talking about her. He doesn't cry. He doesn't, he's like smiling. And I was like, <laughs> I, the actor's name is, um, yeah, I just Enrique Castillo and he should not be in anything cause he sucks. <laughs> well, I just pulled it up because I didn't recognize him from anything. So I, I think, either. yeah, it's probably cause he sucks. And he had in the movie took place in new Orleans and he had like a sort of Creole type accent, but not like it wasn't full. He wasn't fully committed to the accent. So right. it would like fade in and out and yeah, he was he was not good. I agree with you. You actually it's a really good point is that the viewers had more emotional connection to her than he did and we didn't even, you know, all we saw was her dead body up to that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like I mean, he didn't even like he didn't shed a tear. I would have I would have loved a scene where you see him just like breaking down. You know what I mean? Like his yeah. daughter's dead. Like she got like it's not even just like I'm sorry your daughter died in a terrible car accident it's like your daughter like her last minute on earth were horrible because she got fucking murdered like yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) it was so so weird but uh, like for how like 
charismatic and on top of things Denzel was, Doug, I guess I should call him by his, for how on top of things Doug was, I still am not on board with how he revealed the photo. No. <laughs> also, no. there was something weird, something weird happened at the coroner's office where the coroner was like, like in, investigating her body and Doug was there and the coroner's just like hold her arm and Doug's not wearing gloves or anything and he just like holds her arm this dead body you're collecting evidence on a dead body who and you're and he just he didn't even put gloves on he's just like hold her arm right now instead of put gloves on and hold her arm and I thought what is this slipshot operation why is this happening right now well isn't the coroner like smoking too Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> I I I'm feel like I might be mixing that up with someone else, but I know that's like that's like a trope in like movies is that they're like eating or they're like smoking. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. He, like a coroner eating is like, oh, yeah, he's like fixing up a dead body eat. and he's just like yeah. eating a sandwich and I'm like, like sloppy joes. Yeah. <laughs> like how can you even eat around a corpse whatever? Also, this is this is maybe kind of gruesome, but this is something that bothered me in the movie is that they went a little heavy-handed making Paula Patton look like a beautiful dead body. Like yeah. her eyes were bright and wide open. And, and she, I know that she had been in the water for like a day. Yeah, she would yeah. not be beautiful. Her eyes would not be. I mean, at that point, there are there is like sea life that would have sort of yeah taken toll its toll, and and so that kind of bothered me because you could tell that like Doug was like falling in love with this beautiful dead body. Her dead body was prettier than most average citizens. <laughs> so no. <laughs> <laughs> you know I didn't even think about that but you're totally right like I I'm like I'm all about showing a realistic dead body in a movie but you're right like they were like oh she's gorgeous they're like look at how beautiful she is and I was just like she's dead <laughs> like I mean yeah it, this is not a person anymore this is just like this is just a body you know what I mean like the person has left the premises so yeah and he um, kept like gazing at her really awkwardly in a way that it was like too heavy-handed as I yeah said. I agree well so I want to let's talk about that since we're on the topic anyway so when he went into the um I don't even know what it was called the office with Val Kilmer and everything I don't yeah know. I was a little bit I was not really fully uh caught up with like what the different agencies were because I didn't even really know that there was like a guns tobacco and fire agency or whatever he ATF I didn't really yeah. know what that was what was it um I'm oh. not sure I think it's FBI but let's call it the time travel office <laughs> okay <laughs> because yes. that's kind of what the it is time travel the TTO basically the TTO. <laughs> yeah. so the time travel office okay so the TTO so he's in the TTO and they're watching Claire and um i have a couple things to say about this first yes yes so so they're they're watching there which like um so i wrote down it's kind of creepy but there's also like an unnecessary amount of half-naked shots of a dead girl oh my god and then there's that one character gunners yes who's i'm glad you're bringing him up then Yes. And he, and they're like, first of all, they're watching her get into the shower, which is incredibly inappropriate. 
and he's staring at her like he's never seen a naked woman in his life. Like, bro, you haven't, like, if you've never had sex, okay, fine. But like, you've never seen like porn or anything. I have a hard time believing that a guy has never seen a naked woman, whether in real life or in like, like well, fiction or like, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? But he's staring at her like, like, he's like, Huh, hubba hubba. And I was just like, I'm so, I was so like weirded out. And I was like, she is fucking dead. And this guy is staring at her like, I've never seen a more attractive woman in my life. And I'm like, oh my God. In my I'm, life. In my life. <laughs> like, get your is my together, life. Gunners. <laughs> so I'm really glad you bring him up. And just I'm just gonna quickly say this for people who might be listening who haven't watched the movie. So they're not looking at her dead body. They have this yeah. like time travel device that allows them to see exactly four days and sixteen hours in the past. Yeah. TTD. And so they're yes. <laughs> so they're they're watching like live video feed of her four days prior to that right and but she is dead like in the storyline like she has passed but the body he's looking at is alive just to clarify but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah she's getting in the shower they're watching her at home and the woman in the office is like is there any scientific reason we need to watch this woman shower and right. gunner played by eldon henson like just i can't say it better than you said it but he loses all sense of professionalism like it's i agree with you like nobody should be that taken with a naked body in a work environment like you can think in your head like i'll probably think about this naked body later but right now i'm at work you know what i mean if, if it's affecting right. you that much just you know like keep being professional and you're right like he 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 was like catatonic for a second like he yeah and then finally he like snapped back into awake and they like moved the camera so it was like you could almost see the drool coming from his mouth like it was really weird well okay so let's talk about remember that screenshot that i sent you that was of a someone's screensaver and it was yeah it was like a weird half naked woman in in maybe what looked like that could have been like bdsm gear yeah it was weird weird screensaver yeah Yeah. and she's like at a weird angle where like her body is like like her butt's like in the air so her back's like curved and then her like it's just it's like super inappropriate for work and i was like if someone had that on their screensaver at at my work i would go to hr like yeah. i would straight up go to be like this person makes me uncomfortable i'm not going to confront them about it but you need to fix this shit because i'm not going to be working with someone who is so blatantly you know like sexualizing and objectifying a woman on their work screen like who does that you know yeah oh, yeah i have so similar creepy. reservations it's a very weird screensaver and I would yeah. I didn't see it like I wouldn't have caught it I don't think if you hadn't sent me the picture of it but yeah. it was literally on the screen for probably like maybe maybe three seconds like it was very quick it was probably not even three seconds but it was enough where I was like what and I caught it and I popped because I had to pause it in order to get the photo um but I was just like what the fuck <laughs> and so okay so I want to go back to the TTO, the time travel office. Yes, because I, have I want to talk well. more about. Yeah, I want to talk more about them watching Claire. Okay, so they're watching Claire, and you can see on Doug's face that he's like falling in love with. Yeah, which 
I thought was super bizarre. Like I was not very comfortable with that aspect where he's like falling in love with someone. First of all, he's never met her. So you're not falling in love with her. You're falling in love with her image. <laughs> like it's, you don't know her, you know? Um, it's like, it's kind of almost like following someone on Instagram and then DMing them and being like, I'm in love with you. It's like, no, you're not. You're falling in love with what I post purposefully online, but you don't actually know me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he, like, he's just like staring at her, like he's falling in love with her. And Paula Patton is a very, very beautiful woman. She's like pretty much flawless. Like she's perfect, but it was, it, I, I didn't think that that was an appropriate thing to include in the movie because it was weird it was really weird what did you think of it I I totally agree with you I think it's very strange because I on one hand I can sort of forgive it if they're just like if it's like a a pity falling in love with her like oh this beautiful woman is going to be murdered and no matter what we do we can't save her but that didn't feel like what it was it felt like he was like like bordering obsession on yeah. her because he got a look at her gorgeous dead body and and that was it like he was a goner you know and yeah. i didn't care for that and also he tied her murder and he said like whoever murdered her was probably responsible for putting the bomb on the car ferry and killing all those people but he was like i feel as if he was 100% committed to solving her murder because he was falling in love with her. And like the collateral of solving her murder would be like, oh, oh, and we also solved who killed those other people. But who cares about those other people? I only care about this beautiful dead woman. <laughs> and I thought that that was a really weird oversight because there was like this horrific loss of life. Like 500 yeah, Like 532 people. Yeah, and then plus yeah, I her, just said the same thing you did, yeah. No, it's, yeah, and plus her, I mean, it's horrific that she lost her life as well, but I thought that it was, like, holistically, I thought it was weird that he almost, like, ignored the other crime because he was so sure that solving her murder would f solve everything, but I, I didn't feel like it was because he was a good detective, more I felt like it was because, like we've said, he's, like, in love with her in a weird way. Yeah. And yeah. watching her, watching the footage. And I really like, I really like Adam Goldberg. I've been a fan of his for a long time, but he drove me nuts in this movie. Like he was very quippy and like, so they were watching like old footage of the dock and two people kiss and he goes, oh, that's pretty. I wish I had someone. And I was like, oh no, 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 no. And he had so many lines that you could tell they thought people were going to laugh at, but were just like embarrassingly not funny. It drove oh, like, me nuts. It's like when you get like secondhand embarrassment. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, I kind of felt like that too. And that, in that particular line where he's like, wish I had someone, I was like, shut up <laughs> that's why you don't have someone and <laughs> like because you're annoying denny that's his name <laughs> and then and then when i have a lot of comments about when denzel when doug is driving the the hummer but let's not talk about that yet i just want to talk about one thing because okay. we're not done in the time travel office yet but 
when when Doug is driving it and they go silent for a second, Doug's like, keep talking to me. And Adam Goldberg's like, I don't know what to say. I feel very close to you right now. And I was like, just one frame of you without the quips, please. Just one frame without the quips because the quips aren't funny. Like this isn't a J.J. Abrams Star Wars movie where it's very clever and I enjoy it. This is a movie with bad writing for <laughs> your right. character. Right. And I, not bad writing the whole time, but just like it really bothered me. And I felt like he yeah. was misused. And then later in the movie when he helps out Doug, he, he's like a totally different character. He's like down to yeah. business. And I thought he was good. So it's just really consistent. Yeah, it was it was weird. Yeah. And I that whole thing where he said, like, I feel very close to you right now. I was like, this isn't the right context for that kind of joke. <laughs> like it was it felt super out of context. It was re- it was really bizarre. And I was like, why would you feel close to someone right now in that? Like it was just I was just like, what? Why? Why would you say that? I, no, I, I, I totally agree with you. It was like, there was just these certain things here and there where I'm like, what? <laughs> it know? reminds me of like, like in the movie Twister, like Philip Seymour Hoffman's character in the movie Twister is the funny, lovable, quippy guy. And he's perfect at it. And it's a Dominic DeCoco, you know, like <laughs> so good. <laughs> And and it feels like they were trying to make Adam Goldberg this movie's Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh-huh. and it just did not. It was bad. It was bad, one hundred percent bad. So, you know, speaking of Philip Seymour Hoffman, I still walk around and quote his line from Boogie Nights, where he goes, "Hey, Dirk, you look really sexy." <laughs> I just like. Yes. I'll just like walk around my apartment like randomly being like, hey Dirk, you look really sexy. <laughs> I love I love it when he runs ahead of Dirk so just so he can open the door for him. Like he's such a good actor. He was you know, such a I, good actor. He was, I love, yeah. loved him. I was sad when he passed. But anyway, so that's not this. So let's get back to our, our story. Yeah. So I'm also a big fan of Val Kilmer. Uh-huh. Um I think Val Kilmer um is very talented in most of the movies I've seen him in. Obviously, he has some wild ones, but I think he's he's pretty good. And I feel like in this movie, um, he was underutilized. I think that he could have maybe had a bigger role or something because he wasn't a bad character. He was just like a forgettable character. In this he movie. was, yeah. He um, did you ever see Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? So with Michelle Monaghan and um, Robert Downey Jr. Val Kilmer. People, I never did. People told me I would like it, and I always planned on watching it, but it's just sort of eluded me up until I have now. it, if you ever want to watch it. Yeah, it's, I would be interested, yeah. He has this one line that I, I think is, like, probably by far one of the best lines I've ever heard in, like, any movie ever. And um, he's talking to Robert Downey Jr., and he goes, you look up idiot in the dictionary, and you know what you'll find? And Robert Downey Jr. is like, um, a picture of me. And he goes, no, the definition of idiot, which you fucking are. <laughs> <laughs> he turned it around perfect (laughs) there's there's a lot of like it's a very like it's like a dry kind of like dark comedy um but there's a bunch of like different lines like Robert Downey Jr. messes up a lot and he accidentally 
he accidentally pees on a corpse at one point. <laughs> and like, I mean, it's, you have to see it. But anyway, but Val Kilmer's like, why in Blue Perfect Hall would you pee on a corpse? <laughs> like, it's, it's Blue Perfect. Blue Perfect. <laughs> I, I think don't know. that's a tense. I think that's a tense in German. Blue Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway um, I'd, I'd recommend that one. It's, it's funny. It's got, it's, yeah. It's not the best movie, but it's funny. Anyway, so we're getting off track. But I also, um, just as a quick aside, I recognized Elle Fanning on the boat, on the mm-hmm. ferry. I thought, oh, that baby. looks like Elle Fanning, who, like, tossed her doll overboard. Yeah. And uh, it was. Because I, I, I actually, like, line. Yeah. yeah. I watched the credits specifically to see her name, and I was impressed. Yeah. 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 She was very, you know, the, uh, I think the Fanning girls have worked with Dunzal before because Dakota, yeah. jo- uh, D- Dakota Johnson, Dakota Fanning was in um, Man on Fire. Man on Fire. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. That fucked me up. That yeah. That movie was, I had some issues with that movie as well, but I liked it at the same time. Cause just like, I mean, I think if you throw any garbage at Denzel, he'll make it worthwhile. And I think that that he's like Tom Hanks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Where like the movie may not be that good all the way through, but he's good all the way through. Yep. And um I can't think of a single Denzel Washington movie where even if I didn't necessarily like totally like the film, I, I did at least somewhat like it because of him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's he's powerful. He's yeah. I imagine like like being in the same room, like working with him would be awe-inspiring, I imagine. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I think it would be like the pressure to be not not nearly as good as him, because I don't think you could do it, but to, to be good enough to be in a movie with him, I think he was in that movie with Viola Davis a couple of years ago, and I can't remember what it was called. Fences, maybe. I think I know what you're talking about. I saw it and it wasn't a great movie because it was well the the podcast isn't about that movie but anyway like viola davis and him were both like powerful and uh, it's it's like the two of them together in the same room like seeing the northern lights or something you know oh yeah no she's amazing and like she's on that show how to um or how to get away with murder and i watched the first season and like even though there's a bunch of other people in that show if they took her out, that show would be crap because yeah. she's just such, she's such a tour de force. Like she's so like, there's, there's one scene where she like takes off all her makeup and like her wig. And it's just like such a powerfully emotional scene that you're like sitting there like stunned. Like it's, it, it's anyway. Okay. Yeah. Let's get back on track. We're getting really distracted. Yes. yes. Oh, and Matt Craven played his, um, his partner. And Matt Craven was on was in Crimson Tide. He was one of the people that did the mutant that started the mutiny in Crimson Tide. So they worked oh, together. Really? Before. Yeah. Oh, okay. I re- okay. Yeah, I recognize it. Yeah, I didn't realize that that was him. That's interesting. Yeah. So That's I wonder if they're like, I wonder if they're kind of like friendly in real life or how the casting. Yeah. Be, you know. Yeah, because I I wonder that too. Whenever I see a movie with someone. Um, that has been in other movies with someone like I'm I'm wondering if like the like the person's like hey you should hire this dude because he's amazing or like hire this woman because she's amazing or whatever you know because yeah. I bet I would imagine that if you're working with a big name like Denzel and Denzel comes to you and goes hey man or woman whatever 
I know. I hope Denzel actor, says, "Hey, woman." <laughs> hey, woman. <laughs> um, it's equality. Um, <laughs> equality. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, it's like you should hire this person because they're an awesome actor. They'll be like, "Yeah, sure, dude, that's not a problem." Like, uh, awesome, we'll do it. Um, yeah, I guess but, if you're at the level of celebrity that Denzel is, you probably can call the shots a little bit, maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that with, um, you know, really famous, well-known actors is that they probably get the chance to, to like have a decision in who their like love interest is cast because, you know, they want to have good chemistry with them. Cause I've seen, I've re- like seen interviews and stuff like that where they're like the celebrities like, oh yeah, you know, um, we had so-and-so come in for a reading and I wasn't like feeling them or whatever but then we had so and so and like we had a great connection so they decided to cast this person or I wanted them to come in because I know them or what you know what I mean so um I I definitely could see that I mean I don't I don't know for sure I don't work in Hollywood I'm just an observer an intense (laughs) observer (laughs) but (laughs) an intense observer who can't keep their mouth shut like whenever I talk to anyone about movies I always feel the need to apologize beforehand because I'm like listen I'm very sorry about this but I'm about to talk your ear off about this movie and they're like they're like it's okay and I'm like no you don't understand what you're about to get into (laughs) like like, you are in for a wild ride my friend so sit down buckle up because you are not leaving for an hour until I discuss every aspect of this film (laughs) That's uh, that's one of the many reasons, but just one of many reasons why when I started hanging out with Mike and like we started going on dates and stuff, I was like, oh, he's a keeper because he liked to talk about movies and yeah. I've gone out with people before like casually and I'm just like, I can't even talk about a movie with this person. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes, yeah, like you don't have to be like we don't have to talk in depth about like cinematography and like this shot or anything i just like to talk about movies and i right. like to talk about movies with people and one time you took me you took me to this like meetup group that was about horror movies uh-huh. and the way the table seating arrangement was where i was sat across from this kid who like this guy he was a man i called him a kid he was a man who just barely talked and I was just like trying to talk about the horror movie with him and he would just give like one or two word answers and I mean like I obviously we don't know each other but you're at a meetup group to like talk to people right. and I just wanted all I wanted was to talk about the movie and I just happened to be sat across from this person and he was like barely talking and I was like I really want to talk about this movie I mean we did obviously but like with him specifically I remember like he was not talkative at all and i wasn't like there to like meet guys like i wasn't in the dating like i wasn't shopping for a boyfriend it just happened to be that a man sat across from me who was not very talkative and that's all i'm trying to say (laughs) no 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 i totally get i totally get it no um my my last job i had a coworker that i was really close to and and i love her and she's great um but whenever I would talk about movies, her and my boss both would be like, Lauren, can't you just enjoy, just sit and enjoy a movie? And I'm like, but you don't understand. I enjoy a movie by talking about it. Like that's like, that's literally like probably 75% of the enjoyment of the movie is being able to talk about it afterward. <laughs> yeah. It's just fun. Like it's fun. It I like it. Yeah. I like doing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. We've got so- 
majorly off topic. Something in the time travel office that something that bothered me one of the things that bothered me was they had these like ridiculous notion that um claire paula Patton's character like knew that they were watching her and she was like mm-hmm. writing in her diary like someone's watching me and that was i did not like that at all i thought it was very stupid because she's like hello is someone there hello and then she's like i get the feeling sometimes i feel like somebody's, somebody's watching, watching me, me. <laughs> and and then denzel doug looks over to the office and he's like we're watching her it's us and i thought no 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 right did not i didn't I care think- for that I didn't I didn't totally hate that and like when he pointed the laser and it showed up that was cool I thought that that was was it that was cool I think if they were to me personally I think if they were going to do have her feel like someone's watching her it should have been the Carol or or Stad yeah Jim Caviezel's character yeah did you ever think for one second that we would review two movies with a male character named Carol I've gone right? 36 years without hearing about a man named Carol and now two movies in the same like six month span we reviewed. I, I know. Well, I mean, I've heard Carol from 30 Rock who was played by Matt Damon, but then he also played oh, yeah. Carol Shelby. So he played two characters named Carol. Yeah. I mean, he probably never thought in his life that he played a man named Carol twice, you know? Yeah. yeah. What are the odds? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I agree. Like the guy who wanted her Bronco to put the bomb on it would be watching her but not like but i did think it was cool because they were lying to denzel and they were saying it was like satellite video uplink they didn't tell Mm -hmm. him it was like a bridge to the past like a wormhole basically and so when he like shown the little red light and it showed up i thought that was pretty pretty cool i really liked that yeah that was clever that was clever Mm -hmm. yeah um i didn't i didn't mind so much her thinking that someone was watching her but i can totally see where you're coming from and i think that they should have done that a little differently where it's like not someone watching her but um well it's carol watching her it should have been carol watching her i you know? i actually i actually have an addendum i think if she had just sensed somebody watching her and said hello I think that would have been okay, but writing in her journal, I feel like someone's watching me. That's, that's where it like was pushed over the edge for me. That's where you were like, nah. Yeah. Uh-uh. Nope. Absolutely. I, not. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like I've kept a journal in the past and I don't yeah. know if I would ever write that. I mean, obviously I've never felt like somebody was watching me, but even if I did, I would feel like if they were watching me, they might see the journal. I don't know. So I just I think it's it was so corny. It was was a little corny. I agree. I agree. Um, But okay. So, so I did really like how they had um, an explanation for everything. Me too. I have to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought that that was good. Einstein Rosenbridge. I think that's what the word is, right? For Einstein Rosenbridge. Yeah. Um, I think so. Yeah. Einstein Rosenbridge. Something that one of the things that turned the tide of the movie for me and made me think maybe I don't like this movie was the whole ridiculous scene of him driving down the highway wearing that device on his head. So they have this device that's like a portable portable wormhole machine, I guess, where you can wear it and you can see four days in the in the past, like 
it's like this little like like optical piece that comes down in front of your eyes and it's like a helmet and one of the things i i really didn't like and i took a screenshot of it is because he's so he's driving down the road and he's saying does this thing how do i use this thing and gunner is saying there's an on off switch and i thought this scientific like advanced machinery that you secretly made you just put like an on off switch like you know it's funny because i thought the same exact thing when he said that he's like oh yeah there's an on and off switch in the back and i was like it's is it's just as easy as that like there's no like code or anything like there's nothing like (laughs) there's a calvin and hobbes book called scientific progress goes boink and that's what i thought of when he said there's an on off switch and also they show a close-up shot of the helmet and it has a trademark name on it it says ProView tm so they the government with this super secret machine has a contract with a company to create this product and they also put their stamp on it ProView tm like yeah that's a little weird that doesn't make any sense this super secret technology was uh created by a company outside of the government i that's so stupid to me but then also will you send that to me and i'll put it i'll put because i'll put the um artemisia painting in the um my the screenshot i got and then that one on instagram yeah i'll send it to you facebook i'm sending it to you right now it'll be on the insta Oh, so, so by the way, I just looked it up, but they're, um, the program that they're using to look in the past is called Snow White. Oh, yeah. Which doesn't make sense. I don't understand. Oh, because it's called Snow White for the sake of the movie, probably because they bring Paula Patton back from getting killed, but they don't know that that's what's happening when they call made it like the Lazarus. Machine. Like call it Lazarus then or something. Well, like, I don't think the machine was built to bring people back from the dead. I think they should call it something totally unrelated to coming back from the dead. It's a crime yeah, solving. That, yeah, because like, they right, should call it, it like the Murder Solve 3000 or something. <laughs> the Murder Solve 3000. <laughs> I love that. I want a program called the Murder Solve 3000. Be like, let me just put in my information into the Murder Solve 3000. And then I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> like it's like a hat. Like, I'm like, Do-do-do-do. I'm in. <laughs> it's like, we're getting a readout. We're getting a readout. We are getting a readout. Okay. It turns out that it was the serial killer. Oh my, it's a brand new serial killer. You guys better catch this guy. <laughs> you gonna be in trouble so anyway so he's driving with the helmet thing on Uh and he has to see the road plus the past at the same time and val kilmer says to him just drive we can see exactly what you're seeing and he's driving with a like with abandon that's the right term right like he's just driving with no care he's driving this hummer and he hits a car at one point and the car flies over the median a medium yeah. median it median. flies over the <laughs> median and crashes on the other side and he just keeps driving and he's potentially like killing people on this ridiculous chase and then well it wasn't just one car either it was like a, it was a pile, up. pile up yeah like it was like a bunch of people got into this accident and, and 
Yeah, I can't, I could not see someone surviving that. I think that's like, like he's trying to solve a murder, but then he's like, oops, my bad. I killed a guy. <laughs> yeah. And it's bombastic and it's ridiculous. And then they finally get to the place where the, where Jim Caviezel, who plays the, the bomber, mm-hmm. they're following him four days in the past. They get to the location where he was and they see him four days in the past shoot, um, doug's partner and they're like horrified like in the office they're like horrified like covering their mouths because they've just witnessed a murder and i thought like i was like i was like internally screaming at the tv like who knows how many murders doug just committed driving down the highway looking at something that shows him the past instead of paying attention to the road and you're horrified at this one event it makes no sense no you're right that totally yeah i mean unless they didn't see the car they they probably didn't see him hit the car but he had to have felt it he was driving like he was in like a death proof vehicle like he was just ramming things right well no i'm saying that the snow white crew wouldn't have seen him hit the car i guess yeah that's true you're right yeah yeah yeah. they wouldn't have seen any of that so as far as they're concerned it's all business as usual there's no (laughs) pile up on the highway with people who are now like out of their vehicle possibly injured maybe dead But as long as you follow this guy, like he comes back and he's like, oh yeah, guys. Um, So while I was trying to find the murderer of that woman, I may have um, accidentally caused the death of just a couple other people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's no big thing, but the carnage on the highway is from me. It's, but at as least, long as Claire gets saved, yeah. who cares about everyone else? I mean, my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. If we save Claire, nothing else matters. No. Nothing else. Not anything. <laughs> so I did not like that. And that's when the movie really started, like, turning for me because I just thought, like, his his ridiculous approach to trying to solve Claire's murder more because he was like falling in love with her than because he like needed to solve it. And I think that that could be an interesting, like it could be an interesting storyline, like conflict of interest almost. And I don't dislike that if it's done well. And it's, it's just I, just, I of... think it's so funny. Cause I think the helmet's really cool. I do agree with you about him driving totally radically um, that, it's like you have to also be aware that there are other people that exist in the same time that you do. So like maybe be more conscientious of not hitting them with your giant car. Um, however, I thought that the the helmet was cool. I liked it. I thought that it was cool that he was chasing him. I, and, I can uh, buy an office full of like machinery that looks back into time, but a portable helmet that does the same thing. I could not. But anyway, it's cool. I respect that you like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I think I didn't. I wouldn't say that so much that I liked the car chase part, but I I thought what I thought was cool was that he arrives at Carol's place or or let's call him Orstad because Carol seems too delightful um of a name <laughs> <laughs> for like a murder a mass murder um so Carol anyways oh no he goes to Orstad's place. And what he's seeing is, you know, it's like all burnt out and, and like part of it's destroyed and there's like a ambulance that's stuck into the um, 
to the home. But what I liked is that the Snow White crew is looking at um, a totally intact uh, home. Or, or I liked whatever. I liked that aspect as well. Yeah. I agree. I thought that was really cool how they had two different views and they had to yeah. piece together what and and then we got to piece it together as the movie went on. I agree. Yeah. Like the time travel aspect. I, I didn't mind that aspect where, like, how did the ambulance get there? And then we find out later that Doug actually yeah. drives it there and stuff. I, I agree with you. I think that's cool. Yeah. And I, I like, too, that they, they show what happened to Minuti, his partner. Yeah. Um, and because I've seen movies where, and the, <laughs> they, they do this a lot in horror movies, where they have, like, just sounds that are supposed to scare you, but there's no reason for a sound to be there. And, um... In this, I like that, you know, like you find out Minuti dies. Well, you don't know how he dies, but then you find out later that um, the note that they sent through through back in time was um, a note that Minuti saw. So he follows the dude, but then he ends up getting shot, which, by the way, I'm like, you're you've worked in police work for i'm i am assuming at that point probably like 20 years i'm gonna guess yeah yeah maybe less but probably around 20 years so you know when you're dealing with (laughs) with fucking dangerous criminals you don't go alone and you don't go like in your like civilian clothes or whatever you go dressed up in like you know you're gonna wear like a um something to stop the bullets from penetrating your skin you know what i mean like yeah because it, the it, note he intercepted from the like the note they sent back through the machine in the to the past said suspected terrorist advise caution extreme and caution just, yeah yeah he's just like yeah he that's a really good point backup. i didn't even think about that that's a really good point why did yeah. he go by himself like he didn't call for backup nothing and so you know and it didn't seem like anyone was particularly concerned with the fact that Minuti had disappeared. And so then you, you see um, Orstad covering him with uh, lighter fluid and setting him on fire, which I thought was really well done because he, because uh, Doug's not seeing anything, but the snow white crew are. Yeah. And that, I mean, and you know, Shanti's um, her, her like, she started crying and everything, which I thought was a totally appropriate reaction to seeing someone get murdered. For sure. So I, I liked that part because I thought that was interesting. But I thought that I thought Minuti was an idiot. And then, you know, Doug goes and he's like looking in the um in the water and he happens to see alligators eating Minuti's body, which first of all, that body looked like it was fresh as hell. Yeah. Like the the bodies don't decompose in this movie. <laughs> no, they don't. It was like, like it was like four days later. Skin. Yeah. Like if four days later, for some reason, like the alligators are snacking on a perfectly intact arm. Like it just, it was very like unrealistic. Yeah. And it, it it's like, there's nothing wrong with adding a little bit of gross decomposition when it's logical. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's, so, yeah, because especially in the water, well, he lit him on days. fire. So the arm wouldn't even look like that. Oh yeah. You're, you're right. You're, he I shot him and then he lit him on that. fire. Yeah. I didn't even think of, yeah. So that was, if the arm was even, but I, yeah, no, the arm was like totally it was like totally intact. It was it was totally fine. fine. And alligators yeah. don't really like 
they don't eat like that. They like take things, they take things and then they sort of hide it for a couple of days and then eat it. Yeah. They like, yeah, I think they like their food a little bit more like decomposed or mm-hmm. rotted or whatever. Yeah. So I they'll like they- take something and drown it. But they don't just like be like, here's an arm. I'm eating it right here, right now. I yeah. well, I don't think they do at least what I the little thing I know about. No, I've eater. actually heard that too. So you're yeah, I don't I don't think you're wrong about that. Um, so I I totally I totally partially agree with what you you're saying. Uh, at the same time, I I didn't mind so much the the helmet, but. Uh, I definitely thought that Larry was kind of an idiot because so he's in a police station and there's no one else around that can help him with a person that is declared like you should like practice extreme caution near this person. I mean, it's it's just like, okay, so you go and you get killed. And yeah, I feel sorry for you because you have a family, but also like, how fucking stupid are you? You're a police officer. You know how dangerous people can be. Yeah, it makes no sense. And I feel like maybe they weakly tried to make it look like he was trying to get the jump on Doug because the moment in time that they sent the note back, like Doug and him were having some argument that he thought Doug was getting leads on his own and like going to solve this other crime. And so I guess the thin thread is that Minuti is like, I'm going to get the jump on this one. But that's so stupid because that's not the same thing. Like a suspected no. terrorist, extreme caution, that's not like, so it doesn't, it doesn't hold up. It's not very strong. No. And I could see like an intern doing it, you know, yeah. if it was someone who like maybe been on the force for, I don't know, like a couple months and they were like, oh, I'm going to do this and everyone's going to be so excited and proud of me. And then they get killed. Then sure. I could totally be on board with that. That sounds like an idiot, dumb thing that someone would do. But for a guy who's clearly an older dude and has clearly been in the force for a long time, to me, that is inexcusable. That is yeah. That is just stupid. That's a stupid thing to do. And you're risking your life. And you're risking the life of other people, too, because they're a terrorist. Like, it, <sighs> Yeah, at this stage in his career, he's pretty much a good old boy, so he shouldn't be so gung-ho anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it it didn't match up. I agree. It doesn't make sense. But I do like how that, how they, they said something, well, they said something in the movie that was interesting. The woman said, like, because they were saying, like, we got him killed because we sent the note back and he saw it and not Doug. And so we got Minuti killed and Adam Goldberg was like, well, we didn't actually change anything. And the woman said, well, he was on the ferry and then he, and he died, but now he's not on the ferry, but he died anyway. But I, I thought it was interesting that they had already messed with time at that point, but they didn't really realize it. So he died because of their actions. And, and I thought that was, I really thought that was an interesting time travel aspect. And I liked how yeah. they were seeing both the past and the future at the same time, but I couldn't reconcile. There's one thing about it that I couldn't reconcile is that in their plane and their, the universe that they're time traveling in, they could see Doug's met like Doug used those magnetic letters on Claire's fridge to, to give him his future self a message that said, you can save her. Mm-hmm. So in that plane of existence, the message was there, but I don't understand how 
them looking back in time wouldn't show Doug. Oh, they never looked at that day. That's why. That makes sense. Oh, I yeah, answered my right. own question. Yeah. He okay, wasn't there when they, okay. So that, that, see, it's, sometimes it's good to talk out like these concepts that they yeah. show in movies because it helps like wrap your brain around it. So that makes sense. So they didn't actually go, they didn't see him there because they didn't go back to that day. They were only like three days, four days before, three days before the, the bomb. So that right, was, that's right. interesting. The time travel aspect I thought was really well done. I thought That's so too. how I understand time travel, you know? Yeah. And I want to talk about the end, but I think we should talk first about um, how he goes back in time. Yes. Let's talk about that. <laughs> so actually let's talk first about, um, I wanted to talk about when they, they finally get Orsted and they, um, and, and uh, oh my God, Doug is, is interrogating him oh yeah i forgot yeah, that yeah. i thought was interesting because he's like well i'm a patriot and i you know i'm a patriot and then he was talking about how he had tried to enlist in the military and they he they kept like saying no and like his like i guess his motivation i mean it he's a terrorist and he's someone who's obviously mentally unstable so it was um it kind of just just interesting to see what he was thinking and why he thought that he was right. You know what I mean? Despite him killing hundreds of people um, and even explaining like his reasons for killing Claire. Um, and so, and I like how like at the end, like he's, he's so calm when he's talking to Doug and at the end, Doug leaves and like one little tear rolls down Orsted's face. And I liked that because it was like, despite this man really being a monster, you know, and mentally unstable monster and having no problem killing all these people, you have to remind yourself that he's human, just like the rest of us, you know, and he obviously feels emotional about this. And so I liked that even if it wasn't like intentionally done and Jim Cavizzi was just like I have like you know like <laughs> just like yeah, getting teary-eyed or whatever um I liked that little one little lone tear because I thought it was an I thought it was an interesting aspect to add to that character you know what I mean yeah yeah I I took issue with his motivation entirely because I understand that he couldn't get in the military or the armed forces he tried and but some of his like soliloquy i didn't fully i thought it was an interesting like monologue of a madman who's not making sense in that aspect sure you know he thinks he's got this like righteous cause but then i thought like on a deeper level i'm like his sole motivation is that he couldn't get into the armed forces or did he think nobody else was a patriot i didn't really understand the entire like the full entirety of his anger didn't quite make sense to me but i did notice the tear and i agree with you that it surprised me i wasn't expecting that level of emotion so i, I thought that that was kind of a, a neat touch as well and i i thought it was interesting like in light of current events like the word patriot i liked that he like it was used in this movie and at, to represent like a madman <laughs> yeah 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 well okay so to to piggyback on what you're saying 
Um, for someone who's mentally unstable, um, just because they, how am I trying to say this? For someone who's mentally unstable, just because you view their motivation as not being something that is like a, a good motivation or a viable motivation doesn't mean that how they view it isn't like, you know, to them a good reason to kill a bunch of people. You know what I mean? Like, I guess that, that makes sense. It's because he's not in his right mind. He's clearly someone who has a lot of, a lot of issues and is going around and, and shooting people and everything like that. And he could just have a violent aspect to him where he just wants to see people die. And he's like, Oh, well, all these people are in the military. So they deserve to die because I didn't get what I wanted. So even if you like, I get where you're coming from and I do agree with you. I also think that someone who is, is the way that he is, I don't think he necessarily needs to have some sort of deep motivation. I think that in his mind, what he did was right, regardless of whether or not it's, it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I guess I just would have liked a bigger explanation of why the government isn't a patriot in his eyes, like right. why he thought they needed some sort of like mass genocide. Right. And that, that I thought that description was lacking for me, but I understand what you mean. We're mm-hmm. like, yeah, of course, his motivation is never going to be, like, I'm never going to agree with it, you know? So, right. Well, no, I mean, yeah. no, I don't, I don't agree that, you know, killing 500 plus people is the right way to go when you're upset with the United States government. But I'm, I'm also not of his mindset. So, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. That. yeah. So let's talk about um, Doug finding Claire. Okay. Talk about that. Okay. Yeah. So, so Doug gets sent back in time. Yeah, he gets sent back in time and he dies and then he comes back to life. They and bring him back to life. That bothered me because they his heart stopped and they he okay, so Adam Goldberg's character sent him back to a hospital. Uh-huh. And he died, he flatlined and they had to like use the the paddles to like bring him back. And then he was, like, totally fine to go, like, leave the hospital. And I thought, that probably wouldn't happen. You were dead. Like, you were shocked back to life. And you're 100% healthy once you woke up from the sleep, like, the restorative sleep, I guess. I don't, you know. (laughs) Yeah. I did not not like that. I thought that that was kind of weird, too. It could have been... It could have been adrenaline, but I think that he would have been so exhausted that he would have been like, I need to sleep for like 14 more hours, you know, or something. Um, Well, yeah, like his body was dead. Like he needs to recover. I don't think I think he needs like healing. Like, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, you make a good point. Well, it is the movies and the movies take all sorts of advantage. We're talking about a movie where the guy goes back in time. So, yeah, but I just... (laughs) I think that really. I don't know what you're me. talking about. That happens all the time in real life, didn't you know? <laughs> I would have rather had, I would have rather had him maybe be like slightly scrambled when he like woke up, like maybe takes him a minute to like orient himself, but to be dead, dead. That I didn't yeah. buy that just because 
you you could you wouldn't be able to function to save the world you know no no so I, I didn't care I for that and they wrote on his chest like revive me so that when the doctors like ripped his shirt open they saw it and i don't know it was i i didn't really care for that i thought it was over the top in a, in a way that was less believable than other parts of the movie for me <laughs> Yeah, I can un- I can understand that. So um, he he drives to Orstadt's place where he has Claire, and um, Orstadt's like seconds away from cutting off Claire's fingers, which I was like, nope, no, no, no. I was like holding my hand in like a fist to like protect my fingers, like that was gonna make it. Yeah, I was. You know? I was glad they didn't show that. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, yeah, and um, and he he drives the ambulance into the into the home and and saves her, but he ends up getting shot. And so I like that they when they bring her or he brings her back to her place, and um, that's when it's explained why he was like when the other policeman went there to Claire's place after she had passed away, that all his like DNA was all over the place, you know? Yeah. I thought that was interesting because the policeman called him, called his future self earlier in the movie. And was like, have you ever, what's wrong with you looking through this crime scene? You left fingerprints everywhere. And I thought that's weird. I saw him wearing gloves. And then I liked that that question was answered at the end because he was actually there. I thought that was cool. Yeah, and they showed, like, the bloody rags that he was using, like, in the trash can, which, Mm -hmm. when they threw them in the trash can, I was like, ew, she doesn't have a trash can liner? What's wrong with her? Yeah, I thought that as well, but I also thought, like, if I had bloody rags, I'd put them, I'd throw them in, like, a a garbage bag and then tie the garbage bag. Yeah, oh, yeah. And then, yeah, so I, they were just, like, throwing them in, like, this wire like an office wastebasket basically like for yeah. paper like a paper wastebasket and they like, were so just the blood could get all over the floor like oh it was it was really and totally grossing me it out was it was like weird really yeah it was out. really gross and i thought that that was a strange lack of attention to detail <laughs> yeah yeah so um i don't know how you felt about this what did you think of the budding romance between the two i thought it was weirdly forced and fast because she got on board with him very quickly because she she rightfully she started suspecting him and she pulled a gun on him because she's like how do you know all this stuff what is happening and then all he did was like she got a phone call and he told her before the answering machine picked it up what the answering machine message was gonna say and then she was suddenly like, instead of being weirded out that he was a time traveler or something else was going on, she was just like totally cool with it. Yeah. No, I, I didn't care. I, it was, like I said earlier in the movie, it was also heavy handed. I wouldn't have minded if they just, if they got along and you could tell if the, if the viewer could tell there was a little bit of a spark, but the characters weren't really acknowledging it. And then maybe at the end of the movie, maybe they had a moment or something. Yeah. I would be totally cool with that. But for them to be that chummy, that fast. Well, and also she almost just got murdered. She got kidnapped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A bag placed over her head. Her yeah. Arm, her hands tied up and her feet. 
this guy rescues her. She almost burns to death in a building. Yeah. And there's like all this shooting going around her. So she's incredibly traumatized, but then they're in the bathroom and she's like giggling when she's like cleaning his wound. And, and I'm, I'm going this, like she could be in shock. It's true. But I, I don't, <laughs> I don't feel like, and I personally don't think that I would be reacting that way. Um, I don't even know if I would feel safe in my own home if I, cause I think that's where he kidnapped her. Right. Right. Well, yeah. And she had a good point when she held the gun on him. She's like, I had a bag over my head. I have no idea who kidnapped me. So why was she not suspicious of him the whole time? Right. Why would she even but let it was him clever into her how home? They did that. Right. I like that they had, um, that she had scratched Orstad's face and Doug was like, look at my face. Do I have any scratches on my face? You scratched his face. And because that's why he was cutting off her fingers because he wanted to get rid of the evidence, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I like how they did that. But then again, it was like, you know, like 10 minutes later and they're like, I'm fixing your wound in the bathroom. And I was just like, you know, <laughs> after going through something traumatizing like that, I just don't feel like she would be in a mental space where she would be like just just like that you know what i mean like uh, i yeah, think it's I just agree. bizarre mm-hmm. yeah it's just bizarre and then you know there he brings her to the ferry where he knows that it's about to blow up and he like kisses her before he leaves like to go on the ferry it's yeah. like a very quick kiss that was weird because she was so trusting of him so fast and then they were like in this like intimate sort of collusive embrace and then they kiss each other but he also said to her you're you'd be safest with me and i don't really understand why like why would he want to take her to the scene of the crime why wouldn't he just leave her in her house or like drive her to a friend's house or something why would she be safer with him well i i think that orstad would have come back for her I guess, but he had like bigger fish to fry. He, oh, I mean, you mean like after he blew up the ferry? Yeah, I think that he would have okay. come back for her because she's, she is a, I mean, she's, um, a liability to him. Yeah, you know that makes sense. So, yeah, and then he's like, you got to go tell those agents over there about the bomb once the ferry goes off. And I was like, why would that be the best thing to do? Cause they would wonder how she knew about a future event and she would be like a person of interest in this crime. And that makes no sense. Yeah. I, well, I had less of an issue with her doing that over her going onto the ferry. Yeah. Why'd she even jump on the ferry to begin with? I don't, I don't understand why she did that either. Like, she's like, Oh, I'm going to go do this. And she runs like almost falling into the water. Cause it's so far away from her. And she like happens to get on there. And then Orsted ends up finding her and fucking putting her back in like, in and the like Bronco. wrapping her, her wrists up with, with duct tape like it's like you didn't escape you just ended up right back where you started it didn't make any sense why he was on the ferry because originally he was on the bridge so i don't know why orsted was on the ferry i don't know why she jumped on the ferry um i did like how 
he went back in time and tried to fix things, but she still ended up being like bound with like the duct tape on her face, which is what happened. So I was like, oh, that's interesting that like, no matter what they do, this like her fate was very similar. And so, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, she ends up living, you know, but what were you saying? Well, after like the brief standoff, they like drove the Bronco over the side of the ferry and so it explodes in the water, but she escapes and that iteration of Doug doesn't escape. But then on land, a different iteration of Doug comes up to her. So is the implication that he's going to live this time? Like this version of him is going to live? No, it's. So what they did, and I actually wrote this down, I think it's called a temporal paradox. And what it is, is that if you go back in time, then there's two copies of you. So I know that. The copies yeah. has to die. Right, right. So one of the copies has to die. So him dying in the water is basically solving that temporal paradox. Okay, that's it? what I wondered. Because yeah. I knew that yeah. there there would be two of him. But then I was thinking like, so he would never, he wouldn't be investigating her murder. So he presumably wouldn't die this time around because he wouldn't right. have to go back in time and save her. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So they uh, assumably like go and get married right after that because they're now in love with each other. <laughs> Yeah, which I thought it was cute that they had chemistry, and I thought that their chemistry was great. I thought right. it was very organic. But the fact that it it they included this like romantic aspect so quickly after she went through something that was, I mean, it's gonna affect her for the rest of her life. She's gonna deal with PTSD. She's gonna deal with you know anxiety and depression. She's gonna deal with all sorts of issues. It's gonna take a lot of therapy to get through that, and it, it's. It, 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 like I can understand it I to me it, it just seemed it wasn't so much what she was experiencing it was how he approached it because I was like this is inappropriate for you to do this to a trauma victim you know what I mean like yeah. I don't I don't I, fully agree. I wasn't on board with it I don't fully agree because I think it doesn't matter what you've experienced if you have chemistry with somebody you can form some sort of relationship with them what i had a problem with was that they immediately had this like intense romantic chemistry and i agree with you like she definitely needs to cope with what happened to her i don't disagree with you i totally but i but i don't think like chemistry doesn't just shut off because you've had like a traumatic event what should shut off is that they they shouldn't have like some sort of relationship but but i do think that like the promise of like the future and how they can like grow together could be like a cute ending and i I don't think that would be like him doing anything wrong but i i just think that their immediate like really intense like we're basically in love now feeling was was really weird in the movie yeah well that's not i don't i don't mean so much the chemistry part i mean the fact that he kissed her that bothered me I didn't think that was appropriate. I, yeah, I thought it was weird in the context of the fact that they just met each other, but I didn't really think about it in the context of her, like, having experienced a traumatic event. I just thought in, like, like, the relationship is, like, they don't even have a relationship. They just happen to be thrown together at this point, you know? Right. So right. why kiss yeah, each other? I don't know. It's weird. He kissed, and he kissed that, like, earring. Me. He found her earring at Carol's house and he kissed it. And that was really gross to me. Like he was like, 
and he kissed the little earring that he found oh, laying on the deck. I don't remember that. <laughs> I remember weird. that. But you don't you don't like earrings, right? Yeah, I think earrings are gross, but I still think like yeah. kissing kissing a piece of debris that you found on the ground is is gross no matter yeah, where that it is came kind from. of it's like in um CSI whenever Grissom would like touch something and then lick it. I'm like, don't lick that. Don't put that in your mouth. Well, Denzel did the dog did that in the movie as well. He licked um yeah, he, I know. Yeah, and he was like, Oh, it's diesel fuel. And I was like, You couldn't smell that? And so, like <laughs> like you couldn't just smell it first? You don't have to you don't have to lick it. What if what if you like saw something when you were like, This is HIV infected blood? Yeah. <laughs> I wish I wish that that would have been part of the movie. He's like, it's okay. I'm going to go back in time before this happened and I won't be infected. Stupid. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. um, Would you recommend? (laughs) Would I recommend it? Um, Yeah, I think I would. I like it. I think it's enjoyable. um, Dunsel Washington's awesome. It's a good cast. Um, Yeah, I would recommend it. What about you? Yeah, I would too. I would too. It's fun. It's worth a view. Um, it's a little bit bonkers, but it's fun, and and he does a really good job. And yeah, watch it. Eat some eat some treats and watch it. Do you feel any more clarity on how you feel about the film now that we've talked about it? Yeah, I feel like clear more clearly. I enjoyed the movie. I I guess I could say yes. I like the movie. It's worth a watch, and it's fun. 55% of me was right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I kept saying to Sam. I was like, I'm like, I'm like kind of stuck in the middle, but I'm more leaning towards you're going to like it. It's like 55% you're going to like it and like 45% you're not going to like it. So I was kind of mostly right. <laughs> yes. You were. Yes. yes. Anyway, you can follow us on Instagram at Watchers of Movies. We're on Facebook at Watchers of Movies. We have a website called watchersofmovies.weebly.com. You can check it us check us out there. Um, we also have a email address that if you want to just tell us your thoughts or you whatever, you know, send us an email, watchersofmovies at gmail.com. And um we are on Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and uh, Google Play. <laughs> I always forget one along the line. We also have another Instagram called The Watchers Who Find Things where I just post little fun, like, movie-related memes. It's, it's just something to make you laugh. It's something to make you smile. So if you want to follow us there, that'd be, that'd be cool, too. And uh, thank you so much to Mike for our theme music. It is awesome. Yes, you can find him on Twitter at the Mike Show 42. His name is Mike Myers. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Mike. If you would like us to review your movie, we can prioritize your suggestion. If you go to iTunes, give us five stars and write a review. It can be just the movie title in the review, or you can say more if you'd like, but we will prioritize those suggestions. They will get shot to the top. If you would like to suggest a movie, but you feel like you don't want to go to iTunes or you don't have access to iTunes, can always send us a suggestion through the other sources and we will add it to the list but it just won't be prioritized yep and we'll be doing those in march because uh this month we're doing uh well except for total recall but that was something that was a recommendation uh we're doing in honor of black history month we are doing movies that have black actors black um you know directors so on and so forth so yeah 
So yeah, we will do your movie in March if you send us a thing on iTunes. And that's pretty much it, I think, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye.